I'm Eva from Smart Forest, and we create a new investment asset, which is tokenized tree, and it's uh, like physically growing tree with a digital certificate. And all this thing is made for people who would like to save and earn in a sustainable way. Also the ones who have a small or mid-sized investment portfolio and looking for some kind of tangible asset. Good morning, my friend. Well, good morning from the United States. And it's good afternoon for, wait, where are you? Um, in Poland, currently. So this, this is one of the things where I love so much where I, again, I'm so lucky and I'm so happy that I get to work with people from all over the world. So this makes me so, so, so happy. So before we start talking about your business, I want to learn about you. So tell me who you are. Um, have you been in Poland your entire life? Like, what's your backstory, your education, before we talk about the business? Uh -huh. Yes, sure. Uh, basically, I was born in Poland. I'm originally Polish. Uh, and I've been here for several years. Like, I finished my studies in Poland. I finished journalism communication. And after that, I started to migrate, we can call it like that. I started to travel. I started to live abroad. And since already seven or eight years um, living in different places. So I used to live in Germany, uh, in Georgia, in Serbia, um, in Portugal, just short period of time, in Russia for a year and so on. And what was it that made you, I mean, for a lot of people tend to enjoy being at home. Um, what was it that, that made you interested in just traveling into different locations and not just traveling, um, and going on holiday, but what what was it that made you want to live in those areas? <laughs> well, uh, I guess that was the issue from my home that my parents were not very keen about any kind of travelings. So when I turned adults uh, and I moved to another city, the first thing, one of the first things I done, I hitchhiked to another country, to Lithuania. Uh, yeah, and from that moment, I started to travel frequently. And later on, I decided that travel, it's not enough, actually, to understand the local, let's call it like a climate, but also local culture, how the people are thinking, etc., etc. And I decided to live in different places. Okay, so you just said the key word where I, like, I think about hitchhiking, and I think about all these bad <laughs> movies, like the movies, the movies depicted in certain ways. When I was younger, hitchhiking was like a way of life that people would do all the time. But then you started hearing about those bad stories and people don't, don't talk about it anymore. Um, were you by yourself? Uh, why did you find that this was the way to go? Because you're, I mean, I'm going to say, you're a beautiful woman and you're hitchhiking through, through uh, your areas. Uh, where did that come from? And I mean, and not, <laughs> not only where did that come from, but how did you get the guts? Especially because your family did not travel a lot. Uh, actually, when I was hitchhiking, I was mainly hitchhiking with somebody, either a friend of mine, like either female or male, didn't matter on that, at that point. And basically, it started because, well, we were students, so we were on a short budget. So that was the way how you could move uh, kind of quickly, at least quicker than on foot and in a much affordable way, also with learning a lot of uh, from local culture because the first touch we always had with different country were through the drivers they were taking us and I was hitchhiking actually for the Baltic countries um, Russia 
well, Italy, and that was a kind of difficult experience <laughs> with Italian drivers who are crazy and kind of, um, let's call it like macho attitude. Uh, I tried in Portugal, actually, with a bunch of friends, uh, but that was a disaster. We were waiting, like, I guess, 10 hours <laughs> to get any drive. And actually, we were, like, two girls and one guy, so we decided even to change his clothes to increase the chances that somebody <laughs> would take us. And finally, one driver did. Uh, he gave us a drive, like, a lift for, like, 20 kilometers or 30, but that was nothing for all the way we had. Anyway, he told us that he took us just because he's seen that we make, like, fake boobs to our friends. <laughs> well, that, that, are, that automatically tells me that you are definitely innovative and you're creative. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we love that. Started young. So, wait, how old were you at this point? You're a student, but how old were you at this point? Uh... 18 I guess I started to hitchhike when I turned 18 and that was the Portugal was I guess 21 something like 21. Okay I love it all right so so you you mentioned that you in your studies you did um journalism yeah sure did you want to go I mean did you actually experience being a reporter and work in the media or is it just because you wanted to learn about the the essence of it and do it for a company no, basically, I really wanted to be a journalist when I was studying, especially a documentary. Uh, so a person specialized in documentaries. The, but when I finished the studies and I actually had in touch, I was doing some internships, I was working for some media, I understood that it's not entirely what I was expecting because the media, especially in the smaller countries, they are uh, kind of a focus more on sensations. So there's no look for journalism. There's more for media worker. So if you're a proper media worker, you can uh, rewrite the information from the press agency in a proper way. Then obviously, in at least in Poland, the media it's a place where you could work. But if you're looking for some kind of independent story, they won't receive enough attention. At least if you started when I did so 2000 let's call it like 2010 2013 there was kind of media crisis and at that time it was impossible so I started to look for something entirely else so what was the switch what I mean so you you started looking for something else but um what was it that made you switch and what did you pick uh well uh hmm. I was actually um, I was looking for different professions. So before I became entrepreneur, I used to work in a casino, for example. I used to work on the private yachts, so as a stewardess. And later on, I moved to the graphic design. I was doing some freelance. But the older professions I had, they had some limitations that you are focusing mainly on one task. That's the first thing. And the second that you work, it's mainly useless. <laughs> That's the other thing. And after this experience in 2015, I started the first company. That was the distribution company of organic cosmetics. So I was importing uh, cosmetics from ex-Yugoslavia countries, uh, Macedonia, uh, but also from Europe, from Czech Republic, from uh, Slovakia to Poland. And I was selling them to the B2B clients and also to the B2C. So I had own internet store at that time. So, so this is where it's very interesting for me. Your parents didn't travel that much, um, but then you started traveling. 
Um, you went to school for one trade and you saw that it wasn't doing um, the, the, the way that the industry was, wasn't compelling to you. You started jumping from, from position to position and then you automatically started your company. Most people just don't automatically start their own company. So did you, do, do you have entrepreneurship? Um, did you grow up with individuals that had entrepreneurship tendencies or is it just something that you just came out and said like, there's something more that I want to do that got you to the point where now you just randomly five years ago, you just started your first company. So, I mean, what was that transition where you start, you just, what was the transition from going from, I mean, and you changed different industries like private, private yacht, cosmetics, um, when casino, journalism, there's so many different things. How do they all come to where you are now? Mm, well, I, let's start from that, that I don't have any, uh, entrepreneur society or maybe called like the, um, cycle around me. So I'm the only person who is doing that. So no, my parents, almost any of the friends, they don't have such experience. And I basically started uh, due to the, also the reasons that I was looking for some work I could be responsible for my own. That's the first thing. And also I've seen the nice option to apply for uh, some small grant for starting the own company. Uh, what I did basically, and I received a grant uh, as a supporting grant, that was like a small amount, like, you know, $3,000, uh, something like that. So not a lot, but for like making first steps in the business, that's what, that was enough. And also stories connected with uh, my husband, because Alexei, because um, um, he's from Russia, I'm from Poland, and we always had the issue uh, in living together because of visa. Uh, apparently, it hasn't been very easy to find a place where we could live. And um, that also helped me to understand that I cannot find any kind of the office work um, where I would have to work for somebody from Monday to Friday because it just couldn't work out because I was living three months here, three months there, etc., etc., and having the own, let's say, called like um, enterprise uh, could be an option for me. I also I remember uh, why exactly cosmetics because I was at that time in Serbia. And I've seen a very small family company called uh, Freshka Gora. That's also the place in Serbia. And they were producing handmade cosmetics, like absolutely natural, basing from the ingredients they were or all having there on the place. And I really liked this concept. And I thought, wow, that would be very nice to have this in Poland. Now, I'm, lo I'm loving this. I love that every single time where you say something, it's just adding the layers of conversation. So your first company, what was it and how did you do? Uh, as I said, it's internet. it was the distribution company uh, focused on organic cosmetics. Uh, so I was, import I was basically an importer. So I was responsible for the EU representation and I was selling that to the beauty cosmetics. That was the first thing. And the second thing, uh, the internet store for the already B2C clients. What was the biggest pain point for you when you had to learn how to run a business? Because <laughs> <laughs> everything. <laughs> I love, I always love that question because the reaction is always the same. <laughs> you're, not, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not a business person. And now you're running a business. What went wrong? How did you fix it? How did you, like, who did you get together with to get to the point where you're in a better spot? 
As basically, it's shame to say, but the, the beginning was very difficult. First of all, as I said, I received a grant, but about 50% of this grant was lost on the company which went bankrupt. So I made the order, I paid them the invoice, and they just sent me like 10% of the order, and they went bankrupt in Macedonia, so I couldn't do almost anything. <laughs> it didn't make sense to go to the court, etc. Even I tried actually contact some lawyers, but they told me it's pointless in that case. Uh, so basically, that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. Second, all kind of administration tasks. In Poland, we have a system. Right now, it's much easier because already they made the changes like two years ago, one year ago, two, two years ago, one change and uh, uh, two years ago was another yeah, and the thing is that I already started to pay taxes. So when I opened the company, I had the obligatory insurance, which was like 150 euros every month. So it didn't matter do I have any income or not. That was the, the, the thing I had to pay every month. Mm-hmm. And also very complex uh, accounting system. So obviously I had accountant. But that was very difficult for me to collect all the invoices, to check the VAT taxes, to, uh, to know what kind of regulations I have to fulfill. Also, with cosmetics, it's kind of a complex because you have to fulfill some data into the European database. Sometimes you have to make some additional certificates, etc., etc. So it's, it's kind of a very, it's also a very saturated um, industry. Your, your competition is the world. Yes, definitely. That was the second step, I would say. So the first step was just to somehow try to organize the, the, like the working company, like from the very ground level. The second thing was to fight for clients. And apparently, yes, um, I would say with having this business knowledge I have after several, several years, I would definitely start to work differently on that. So basically, before I started to import, I didn't do uh, much um, or enough research on, the, on my customers. So I started from beauty, beauty salons, but they haven't been very keen to sell, for example, in the B2B2C. They were more looking for their product. But for their product, like I know clays, etc., the price I was offering was definitely too high because the companies I was working, they were mainly focused on B2C. So you have totally different model, different packages, etc. So that was one of the tasks. Uh, the other one, it was also organizing the internet shop itself. So everything connected with the packages, selling, packing, repacking, etc. That was a task. I had the people on the place who were dealing with it, but organizing a shop like with more than 300 items, that was a task. Uh- if you, I'm just going to pause before we go into your company. If you had to um, give a lesson to an individual that is looking to start a business that, that first time, never been an entrepreneur, never been a business owner, what would be one or two things that you tell them right from the start of something to be aware of before you start? Yes, wait with the opening the company. That's the first thing. So do your research, check your markets, check your demanding and if you're sure that there's the demand for your product, then start to formalize all this stuff because you're going to be very busy with it. I'm just going to give you an example. A friend of mine, she's just started the own company and she's doing the peelings uh, from used coffee wastes 
I'm not sure if coffee gr you know. it's like coffee grinds so yes exactly but the grinds which are already blended so it's what is left from the cafe wherever and basically uh they started i mean we had some talks and i was sharing my experience that uh, okay you have to check first if there's be if there will be anybody interested then you have to think about the prices because you, obviously you have some costs you haven't fought before so you have to also do this kind of a fit but if you're going to put too high price then nobody's going to buy it and obviously she made everything she wanted to do <laughs> The other way, I guess every entrepreneur will gonna go through this way on his own. Anyway, just to make it short, my tip is uh, check your product first, then think about being like legally, let's say like proper. It's I, I always use the example of um, you have older siblings and you watch the older brother or your sister make the mistake first, and then you figure out which one you want to do. If you make the same mistake, then that's on you. But at least as an older sibling, there are so many businesses out there that are tried, like they, they are doing things, they're giving you advice. And for you to be there, and especially because you, I mean, you started when nobody else around you were, were doing businesses, um, one would assume she would listen, but you know, people learn their own lessons. It is what it yeah, is. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's how it is. And I'm sure, I mean, anyway, if she'll get any troubles, I'm sure she's going to somehow um, at least have some discussion or uh, she's going to ask for advice. Uh, now she's happy with it, although I know that she's lost a lot of resources already. But this is how it is. First business is always painful. So I'm happy that this lesson is done. <laughs> oh, me, I mean, I, I, I like you, literally, like I'm entrepreneur by necessity, not by desire. Um, where I started my company 11 years ago. And same thing. I mean, everything where I went to business school and business school does not teach you how to run a business or start a business. And so problems and problems and problems and learning and learning and learning. And finally we have, we're in a place where like, ah, oh, we feel good. I mean, lessons are still there, but the dramatics of when you first start your first business is so different and it's unexplainable. And when you're trying to help someone else avoid the same thing, it's just so... They don't believe it. They don't believe it. They think it's going to be easy. <laughs> in it. And when they're in it, they're like, what did I do? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. You're completely right. So tell me about, all right. So now you've, you've gone through all of this. I mean, like, again, I'm going to reiterate the family doesn't have no entrepreneurial, um, no entrepreneurs or business owners in your family traveling around the world at a young age, going to school for one thing. Oh, wait, what did everyone think about in your family when you didn't, like you went to school, you, I mean, you did your studies and you did not do the job and then you started going this route. What did your family think? Mm. <laughs> well, I'm trying not to ask them. <laughs> I don't think they're very happy about it. <laughs> Although I strongly believe that they accept me as I am, so... Yeah, that's the most important for them that I'm health somehow and happy in my life. So I guess they are trying to accept. Although I don't think so that any of them would like to make the same path. <laughs> well, how do you, I mean, how does one prepare mentally to go into the business world and be an entrepreneur when you don't have your family to support you? I mean, you have your husband to support you. Um, I, and I'm in, in the, the realm of entrepreneurship. But when your family, they watch you, they've seen you work really, really hard. Um, but they've seen you jump from places to places. They're not understanding who you are. And then you go this route. Well, I mean, how do you, I mean, how are the holidays? <laughs> because you have to see 
family eventually. What is this? What is the discussion like? Especially in an international uh, household, international for you. But I mean, how how does that work? Mm, well, we had coupled. Actually, we had couple discussions about that. Uh, that it's mainly finishing with the words that I'm unmature. <laughs> So that's, yeah, that's the core thing. It's very difficult to understand them that uh, sometimes to find the way, proper way, you have to go in different directions, let's go like that. That losing the, the path, uh, you see that the issue is that they are used to the old type of businesses, old type of work. My mom, she worked in a hospital for uh, 44 years. And my father, he was a mechanic in one place for more than 30 years. So for them, changing a profession so often and changing the place and changing uh, the concept general, it's kind of not understandable. Although they are not somehow trying to... I, I think they got used to after some, some years already. So they are not pushing me, uh, at least at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, you the only, are you the only child? No, I have older brother and he has a prof proper profession. He's working in the uh, town hall, uh, like director of something. So chef of uh, something, I don't know exactly. And he's working there since already 10 years. He got a mortgage, uh, he has a child. So <laughs> he's somehow fulfilling the parents' desires. <laughs> well, well they, have him, they have him to be traditional. You can be yeah. That's a good thing. So about your business like walk me through what is your business what do you guys do and how did you create it we basically uh well we make investment in trees in forests affordable and available for everyone so before if you would like to invest in forests you would either have to have own land and plant it so to hire some people etc have some specific knowledge and that pretty big budget or you could go to the forest fund in the forest fund you would have to spend at least 10,000 at least 10,000 euros uh, we decided to change this model by selling singular trees not from the forest but from the plantation and starting from 20 euros so anyone could buy the tree wait several years we are talking about the cycles for five years currently and then get the profit uh, from the timber so walk me through. Um, so I've never, when I first met you and you said this, I mean, I think I, I, I mean, I met you in Portugal and I, mm -hmm. I think I asked you many times because I just didn't understand why would someone want to invest? I mean, I mean, obviously de deforestation is like a big problem globally. Um, a lot of Caribbean islands, I'm from Haiti, deforestation has devastated a lot of the land, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, mudslides happening because of that. Um, and, I mean, mind you, there's more things, but uh, you hear about the mudslides a lot because of that um, reaping of the land. Um, there's so many ramifications that happen when we're depleting our forest. Why would you want to go this route? And I don't understand the profit model. So just explain to me a little bit more. Why would you mm -hmm. go this route of replanting trees? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, uh, currently we are not focusing as much on the replanting, more on creating own plantations. And we are working with species like Paulownia trees, uh, which are uh, kind of the, it's called like innovate, 50 years old innovation 
in the forestry market. It means that you cut them, but they grow again from the same root. And basically the timber is having, you see the tree when it's small, it has a small value. When it's growing with the years, the value uh, being perceived in timber, but not only, also in collectible value in CO2, is growing. Just to give you some numbers, uh, we talk about the initial investment of 20 euros. After five years, you could expect at least 32 euros from one tree. And we already have pre-orders and we make the customer development with uh, people who uh, wanted to invest in, with us in our trees. And basically reasons were very different. Uh, for example, I was talking with a client who wanted to invest for his retirement. That's kind of the often option. I mean, often we hear it, something like that. And he told me that, okay, I'm going to work for like 20 years or 30 years more. Well, one tree per month. Okay, I'm going to order this and this amount of trees, for example. The other client we had, he wanted to buy also several trees per month to later on go there to the plantation, cut them, bring them to Germany and build own house. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> no, seriously, that, that's amazing. So I, so I go in, because again, I'm going to bring it back to, I, I basically come in, I sign up. Um, this is like stocks, but for within trees, correct? Am I? Is, okay. Yes. Um, and so I'm coming in and if I want to buy 10 trees, 20 euros per tree? Yes. And when is, what, what's my return? Like what's the return and when is my return? So mm -hmm. the, the individual that wants to buy the trees, he chops them down. So he's actually taking the value of the tree itself. Am I selling the tree? Am I like, what's, I'm, I'm still trying to clarify mm -hmm. exactly how the process works for an individual like myself, where mm -hmm. I invest a lot in real estate. Um, and so I see, can see the value. I see the reports that come in, the updates, and, it's, and I, I invest in commercial real estate a lot more because you can actually see right now where they're refurbishing, um, the updates, something that's new, something that's old. We're always getting reports. And then we see mm -hmm. our whether high or low. So if I'm buying 10 trees from you, what happens? Uh, basically, the model will be slightly different. Currently, uh, we are going to launch uh, the real sales like the beginning of October. So pretty soon. Currently, you just have to write the email that you are willing to buy the tree based on the smartforest.world page. So you could go there, look for the trees you're interested, then send the email in how many trees you're interested. And apparently from October, you could go to the web page, buy the tree. And when we accumulate enough, we are talking about currently about 10 hectares of first plantation also being planted at the beginning of November. Uh, we pass the money to the planter. Planter is preparing all the work connected with the trees. And within the six months period, that's strongly depend on the weather, especially in the European climate, the tree will be planted. You could see that in your profile that your tree is changing the color and you also receive the information. So GPS coordinates, so where your tree is planted, the date of the planting uh, and CO2. So how much that work has neutralized and that tree is neutralizing. And basically, we are aiming to do the one-year reports, so there will be information changing about the status, but the value of the tree can also change, like, based on the mathematical model, how the timber is growing within five years. Obviously, with some corrections, as I said, uh, one year or twice years, that's also depending on the nature of the tree. 
and we talk about the short cycles, so five years. So you could expect your profit within five years plus half a year if something's going to go wrong. That's the agriculture. That's kind of the obvious thing. And we could talk about 10%. So again, from 20, uh, 20 euros, it's going to be 32 euros within five years. So the, the, the interesting thing about that, and you, you mentioned it a little bit, was the weather. Um, what if there's a fire? Uh, what happens? What if there, I mean, obviously the weather, flooding, the, the climate is changing every single day. Uh, the value of wood where if you are going for cherry, if you're going for, I mean, like, again, like a um, random, mm -hmm. like which one is more popular? Because obviously you can see when silver is up, gold is down. I mean, or when gold is up, silver is down. Um, how do you change those numbers and the profit value for the individual when all these different elements are right in your backyard? Mm -hmm. Basically, we start from the insurance. So the insurance company is making the insurance, average agricultural insurance for the plantation. That's the also important for the clients to know that we are not cheating them. There's a document in that there is such a plantation has been insured. Uh, so from the fire, flood, etc., we have the insurance. Uh, from the timber price, uh, well, we estimated lower price than the market price because we expect that within five years, the market in Europe might be already saturated with these types of trees. Uh, we are also focusing on the shortest plantations, five years, which give us possibility to use it not only as timber, but also as a, for the biomass um, electric plants. So that's also an option. So this case, we have more options where to sell the wood with, uh, as I said, the, this price, we can guarantee it's below the actual price of the market. How are you seeing, so you're going into this, I mean, so in regards to the finance part, um, you're seeing a little bit more women that are in this field, but not a lot. In the timber field, I don't know of many women in this field. So are you, I mean, are you the only one? I mean, are there more women? <laughs> I go, are there more? Because you're bringing in two worlds that are not very saturated with women. And so how are you doing and how are you getting that, gaining that respect of the knowledge and getting the individuals to jump on board of what you're doing? Well, actually, in, um, in last month, I was in, uh, in the event in Frankfurt, which was for the, like, the special topic was a fintech. And I was really surprised, like, I would say seven of 10 founders were females. So apparently a lot of, yeah, <laughs> a lot of yes, things. I was, gonna, I was like, I go, yes! <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things are changing in that field. So um, that's very nice that the people are, let's say, feeling somehow of a need to have a female in the business, especially in the fintech, because fintech is somehow connected with a trust. And yeah, that, that's the question. Do you trust females from the like social? It depends also on the countries. But apparently, uh, as I have some connections with Russia, in Russia right now, there's a big trend to have the heads of uh, regions, females, because it's like believed that they are stealing class. <laughs> so they are not as corrupted as a male's representative. Uh, actually, there's that's, a, you know, that, that's, that's interesting that you say that because, um, and, I, and I don't know if this is still the case in the States, but um, in the past, uh, a lot of the liquor, um, the beverage companies were hiring more women because they don't drink as much. 
Yeah, that's also based on the stereotypes. Although we are, yeah, we are a society full of stereotypes, so we can at least we can use them for our own purposes or on the good. How do you feel that the industry, your industry, has changed during the pandemic? So, how what did the pandemic do to your company? Um, uh, and what do you feel, or how do you feel that the industry will change going forward? Well, for the company. Uh, Sometimes I feel I would be like in the glass bubble, in the glass bubble where I can travel immediately to, for example, States or to Singapore or wherever I want to, uh, but I'm still in the bubble. So uh, all kind of meetings, all kind of events which are taking place virtually, it's very useful from my one point of view. It's, uh, it's awesome that apparently you don't have to go anywhere. You can pitch in front of your computer, you can sit in your pajama trousers <laughs> or wherever, actually, with a cup of coffee or wherever. On the other hand, it's I also somehow miss the old nice world where there was no travel restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, my personal story changed a lot because um, the day before we are aiming to go for like half a year to Asia, uh, the flight was cancelled and the borders were uh, closed. So apparently in a very short period of time, we had to look for some new flat, organize the life like from the very beginning, let's go like that, the basic point of view. And we actually finished in the very small town in the middle of a forest in Poland. And yeah, I would say that also helped us to somehow slow down from one point, but also to understand that, okay, now is the option we could try with our project because it's never been before that so many people are checking emails so frequently. <laughs> it, it, it's so interesting that you say that because at the very, very, very beginning, people didn't know what was going on. Um, and then of course, you, don't have, you went through that, that, the painful, the morning, like, oh my God, everything's going to go wrong. And then people start changing and, and pivoting very, very quickly. So before the summer started, people just started getting in a very, very clear focus. I'm like, okay, this is go time. This is what I'm going to have to do. It is very interesting when, um, everyone is online and because everyone's available. I mean, to this day, like everyone is still so available. Um, but what I found interesting was that people turned off the computer at five or six. <laughs> and on weekends, nobody worked on weekends anymore. Nobody was around to send something and you're like, <laughs> why aren't they answering the emails? And they weren't answering because people were being in front of the computer only. And so they realized I want to do things around my house. I want to in- actually enjoy my life. So it was really good that you're in a smaller town and you were able to enjoy. So how was the balance for you where you have a home, you have a, uh, you have a husband, um, you, you're in a small town, but you own a business. How was it in regards to the balancing of doing everything during this time of slowing down? Cause like usually we're like, go, 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 go. But now it's slowing down. How, how did you, how did you balance that? What should I be doing right now? Mm, that's a very difficult question actually um well it just happened like that i would say we got like uh two months ago we got a lot of media attention from german media news somehow up up from the cloud just one journalist asked us for an interview even in the written form so what we made and apparently in a couple days we got the calls we got a lot of attention there was 
actually thousands of users coming and etc. So in very short period of time, actually that was the summer when indeed the people somehow started to work or pretend they are work in the normal way. <laughs> so yeah, in, in that period of time, we were absolutely in the work. But actually, you see, I have a home office uh, since uh, several years, actually, even more than I work um, with some with some stops, even in studies, I always had the computer with me. So even during I know some boring classes, I could answer some emails <laughs> or or stay time in library with a laptop. That was that was that. So uh, there is still, I would say, the liquid barrier between the daily life and the computer, which is uh, actually I I can just sum up that with the words of my mom that she strongly believes we are uh, computer addicted. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to explain that we are doing indeed we are doing everything with a computer from watching the movie to the work till I don't know looking for some ukulele hearts or whatever. So everything uh, it's indeed for the computer. Did you enjoy being at home a lot more um, and finding things outside of work? Hmm. Mm. I started to make own cheese. <laughs> oh, oh, hello. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, that, so wait, before you even say, I love that because in the States, people started making bread. Like, I don't know if you saw it online. People were making bread, bread, bread. No one's told me that they made their own cheese. So, all right, you got to walk me through that. Like, do, you, do you own a cow or a goat that you're like, <laughs> like what are you making? No, no, no. I just, I, I just buy a milk from the store and I basically have some like cheese maker starters with different bacteria and different substances I use to do like all mozzarella, for example, etc. <laughs> but actually I also made own bread, uh, but that was the period before. So I was doing a couple of breads, uh, even with this, uh, oh, how to call it in English, when you make dark breads you use instead of the yeast, like mm -hmm. normal yeast you buy in the shop, you have to like uh, create them from the air. So you just mix the floor <laughs> with the... <sh> <laughs> I, afterwards, you need to send me the recipe because I have no idea because I have tried uh -huh. all kinds of breads and I have failed. Nothing works. And I'm like, I'm watching... Oh, okay. beautiful. I cannot make bread. I don't know why I can <laughs> anything, but that's the problem. But I feel that it was, it's too easy to make regular bread. So... I think if it's harder, I might be good. So if you send me the recipe, I want to try because the cheese one, I'm curious about the cheese one because I didn't think about that one. And I think that would be challenging. I think that would be not just challenging, but very interesting to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's basically true. With the yeast, like wild yeast, you are collecting for the bread. You might just need like four days to, to let them grow and then you can make own like dark bread. It's actually something traditional for our countries. We also have a soup from a wild yeast. <laughs> all right, so that, all right, so I, I need to learn more about that. All right, wait, all right, I love this. So you made cheese, you made breads. Um, what, did you, what did you add to your life um, for, actually, what did you add for your company and what did you add into your life that you would have never done um, if it wasn't for the pandemic or you would have done, but much later down the line? Oh, um, hmm, hmm. Well, uh, for the company, uh, I started to take part in much more conferences because before it, the 
day is just 24 hours. So if you decide to go somewhere, then at the same time, you cannot be in, in different events. And nowadays you can, you just open one computer on one event, the other one on the other. <laughs> and basically you are in two places at the same time. I, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> and from my personal life, well, um, Actually, you're right that the pandemic changed a lot in the daily schedule. And I understood that indeed the time I spent uh, with, um, at home, it's sometimes somehow a working time more. So I started to listen podcasts, so listen different audiobooks and different, uh, listen different YouTubers on different topics. And I'm listening to somebody smart and I'm, for example, washing the dishes or whatever or doing some small <laughs> stuff around the house. I, I have adopted so many different podcasts. Um, I audio books um, when I go running, when I go walking, when I in the morning, when I go, when I'm watch, like going towards the sunrise, um, all these, the, the audio books and the podcast can be with you everywhere. And so that learning is continuous, which is really nice because you're right. When you're at a conference, you're sitting tight and sometimes you're at the conference, but then you're checking emails. And so <laughs> has added so much where we can slow down, but not, for us A-types, slow down, but not really slow down, but <laughs> a lot slower than usual, which is really great. Um, what, are, what are the things that if you, um, you're, I mean, how, how big is your team? Mm, three of us currently. So it's me, Alexei, who is the CEO and founder, another founder. And we have Grisha, who is somehow helping us. And right now there's a new person, Vitalik, who is uh, helping us to do the iOS um, uh, application for the smart forest how are you keeping them motivated during this time regular meetings that's that's the only thing you can make so once per week uh, actually with grisha alexey he's in touch with i don't know two times per day two times sorry uh two days per one per two, one time per two days something like that i wanted to say actually two days uh, two times per day but actually, the fact that they are friends and they are talking also about different things that work, it also, <laughs> also sometimes I have the impression that they're constantly on phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, whatever it takes. I mean, one thing works, three things personal. It's, 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 a, it's a, the fun balance, as long as there's like that communication, which is fantastic. All right, so my last question to you is, if you had, and I ask this of everybody because... Um, work is, I mean, we, we're all working really hard. We're all like making sure that we can see 2021 and be in a better position that we're in 2021. And you've done so much in your, the way that you've like gotten to this point has been so, uh, it's, it, you know, it's, it's so um, admirable because being a business owner is hard. Being an entrepreneur and an innovator is challenging because people just don't get it. Or don't see the, they don't see the vision that you see that you created, which I love that you've done that. So um, I always want to end all conversations with one with with two questions. If you were going to have a personal and a professional ask of anyone that's listening to um, you right now, what would be your per, your personal ask and what would be your professional ask of anyone that's listening to you? Well, it's easier to start from professional. Uh, well, we very need legal advice. And that's a funny story connected with it because when I last time talked with the lawyer and explained all the business process, how we have to, which parts we have to protect from legal point of view, et cetera, et cetera, 
uh, he Googled and after several years, he told me that uh, he doesn't have any idea, but he knows some nice startup called Smart Forest, uh, which seems to do the, almost the same. So most likely they will help us. <laughs> So, so definitely like, so to, to ask the question of the lawyer, are you looking to branch out into other countries? Um, I know you were just like, you were mentioning it a little bit, but I mean, are you looking to branch out into other countries and will you have to deal with um, a different lawyer in different locations or will you have this one lawyer eventually on your team or advising you to know the different laws in different locations? Well, basically we are starting, it's one of the reasons reasons we are starting in European Union. Uh, so basically we are looking for the lawyer who is very much into the general European Union, uh, it's a, let's call it like a laws. Because uh, you have different laws here, you have the agricultural law, you have the asset financial law, etc, etc. So it's indeed, it, from legal point of view, it's a very difficult issue to resolve. That's why uh, yeah, we are still looking for any kind of support. Okay. Uh, later on, yes, this, um, we are not sure either as a team member, but for sure as outsourcing, so constant cooperation. And what would be your, per your personal ask? Uh, well, uh, I really hate winters, so <laughs> especially... You know, you, know, you know you're from Poland, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just want to make sure, okay. Yes, we have. Actually, we have not as bad winters. Uh, I used to live in the winter in Russia, in St. Petersburg, and that was the worst. I've seen the picture. I, I've seen actually the sun just on the pictures. So <laughs> no sun at all. And basically, yes, as I, as I said, I hate winters. So I would like to somehow move uh, or run away from the winter this year but i'm not sure with all the travel restrictions will be possible i really hope it will well i, I think that we're going to get i mean again i don't know for this year but i i think more and more the restrictions will be lessened um uh, crossing my fingers because same thing with me i want to and i can't wait to i'm always on a plane somewhere and so i already know that two places that i want to go i want to go to iceland and or dubai mm. So I, because they're, they're, there's direct flights from Boston and mm -hmm. friends in, my brother's in Dubai and my I have friends in Iceland. And so I figured Iceland would be easier because it's the fastest one. And even if just, just to be able to go away for 48 hours, I will take it. I will totally, totally take it. Um, and for St. Petersburg, so I went to University of St. Petersburg for a, for a certificate and I know it's cold. And <laughs> not only is it cold, I've never seen a car frozen over. I mean, in <laughs> thick ice and I'm looking like how are you going to get in your car like you might at this point you just sit there and say I don't have a car anymore because you won't spring <laughs> so yes their their winters are so different and so dramatic more than what we are dealing with in the states and what you're probably dealing with in Poland but that's legit winter <laughs> <laughs> oh my, God. my friend thank you so very much I mean I mean I know that you are busy and I know that you're doing so many things but I love I loved meeting you um God, look at this was last last year. Yeah, last year. We were yeah. here. Um, and you're doing such a great thing. And I love that you're doing something so different. Oh, I do have another question though. See, just just when I think I'm gonna leave you, I just had that one. Huh? We the the planet itself, um, we're running out of space because people are building, 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 building. How will your company continue to grow when there's so many people building and killing off all the, the forest lands? 
Actually, according to the United Nations, there is a place for at least one trillion trees for the planet. So I guess it's enough for us. <laughs> okay. All right. Perfect way to end. Oh my God. Thank you so very much. You are fantastic. And literally like later on the year, for some people, I'm going to come back to you at the end of the year. Some people, I'm just going to come at the beginning of the new year to see how did you do? Where did your company go? Um, better, worse. I want to hear the stories because I want to continue letting people know of all these great stories that are happening all over the world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.